0: And welcome to another episode of your own personal Beatles. I, as ever, am Jack Pelling.
1: And I'm Robin Allender.
0: Today's guest is the fantastic Mae Martin, stand-up comedian, writer and actor. Uh, We talked to her about being a Beatles superfan, some of her favourite solo records. We talked to her about her Beatles tattoo and her new sitcom Feel Good, which is available on uh, 4OD here in the UK and on Netflix and is absolutely fantastic. Um, and you had a chat to her about uh, Friends and Beatles, which was quite fun. Yeah,
1: well, we had to talk about the Lisa Kudrow thing because Lisa Kudrow is in Feel Good, didn't we? And, you know, that was quite nice, and we ended up talking about which friend would be which which Beetle. But, yeah, it was a really lovely chat because yeah. she, she's so personally invested in, in them, and I didn't realise, you know, she's a musician herself, and so I sort of mm-hmm. kind of rel- related, I guess, because she was sort of... I like the, I'm very interested in people who do music and comedy. I think it's interesting, you know? And, um,
0: yeah, yeah. There's some really great chat about that and the different sort of neuroses that come. Yeah, with that was great. Sorts of outlets
1: and really, and you know, she's a huge Elliot Smith fan as well, so that was good to chat about as well. So we'll put some Elliot Smith in the playlist as well.
0: Yeah. So, and if you want to find any of the music that we discuss on these episodes, you can go to Spotify, and we'll make a, we'll make a little playlist for every single one. And as always, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at jack at homespunsounds.com or go to personalbeatles.com forward slash contact. Um, We got an email that I'll read out this week, which is um, a really nice one. This is a guy from uh, the US called Pat Hughes, who says, uh, As a 19-year-old living in New York City, I found myself amongst the masses outside the Dakota building on West 72nd Street, mourning the death of John Lennon. I was a young musician and was influenced massively by the Beatles. My career took off, and as a man, some years later, I worked as a property manager for one of New York's large property companies. Imagine my delight when I was asked to work as one of the two managers on the Dakota building. I was in the office one day, and someone said that Yoko is away. Do you want to come and see the apartment where John lived? And of course, uh, Yoko's still occupied with her son, Sean. Wow. I jumped at the chance. On entering, there was a long hallway, and on the right-hand side, there was a large cluster of golden platinum records across the length of the wall sean also had a professional pinball machine with his name across the top and i was thinking that'll be worth a fortune one day later on that year i had the privilege of meeting yoko and sean at the dakota's annual courtyard party she could not have been nicer she appeared to dote on sean and she was obviously well liked by the other building residents who she freely mingled and engaged with i was a very lucky young man and enjoy sharing this story to this day that's lovely there you go that's incredible thanks for sharing Yeah. so yeah if you want to share any of your personal Beatles stories with us then do get in touch you can also follow us on our usual social media accounts at personal Beatles on Facebook Twitter and Instagram cool Uh, but before we get on to May Martin and the rest of the show how's your week been Robin
1: yeah I've had a good week I've been dipping back into a really good music book called Electric Eden by Rob Young so it's really good it does feel like sometimes he's just talking about his favourite music like, he really <laughs> likes talk talk, so wants to bring them in. But it's, no, I think it's great. It's about kind of the, like people who I suppose are kind of visionary in some sense. That, yeah. Um, what makes Strawberry Fields Forever psychedelic and what makes it English? Strawberry Fields Forever is pregnant with whole futures of music, an underground bulb in its winter long sleep. The song is radical lyrically too, impressionistic and syntactically perverse in places. The text alone resists confining itself to one specific subject, mood or experience. In fact, the lines enact non-specificity. It contains conversational conversational evasions such as that is, you can't, you know, tune in, always, no, sometimes, and I mean, uh, yes. Hesitations unprecedented in pop lyrics of the time repeated references to knowing and not knowing, misunderstanding, living with eyes closed, agreeing and disagreeing, are offset against the one certainty, the one thing that is forever, Strawberry Fields. And that certainty is based not on anything in the present, but on a memory. That's great. Beautiful. I love that, yeah. That's brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And what's that book called? I might have to pick it up. It's called
1: Electric Eden by Rob Young, who writes a lot for The Wire. And Strawberry Fields is a song we mentioned with May Martin, we talk about with May mm. Martin as being a very beautiful song, and you know we talk about the fact that it's it's mysterious and hard to work out and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, sums it up perfectly. Yeah. So on with the show. Uh, just a quick reminder, if, if you do enjoy the show, please do give us a rating if you listen on Acast or Apple Podcasts. They are really important in uh, getting more people to listen to the show, so it's very appreciated if you give us a nice five-star rating in a review. Um, we do read them all, and they do make us feel very good about ourselves. And if you do feel the need to correct some of the uh, factual inaccuracies by either emailing us or uh, leaving one-star reviews, you're welcome to do so, but if you're going to count every single fact, inaccuracy in the show i'm just just a warning that it's going to take you quite a long time yeah
1: <laughs> i think i just need to reiterate that this isn't a, an encyclopedic show about the beatles we're not we don't know everything about the beatles and it's very much a, a podcast about people's own relationship with the band and the music but you know that's you know I, I, yeah i'm sorry if we get stuff wrong <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's all right which we will yeah which okay we will. So, without further ado, please listen to our chat with the fantastic May Martin. Hi, May, how are you doing?
2: I'm delighted to be joining you. Oh,
0: hello. <laughs> Big Beatles fan, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Like I feel, I'm worried I'm, I might get emotional in the podcast. That's how deeply I feel about them.
1: Um, emotion emotion <laughs> equals clicks. We we need the emotion. Oh, great. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a safe space. Yeah.
0: I actually had that last week. Uh, I went, saw an old uh, mate from school in the pub and we just got talking about she's leaving home and we found ourselves two men in their mid-30s about to burst into tears in public for absolutely no reason. Wow. Yeah
2: we gave her everything money could buy mm. that's yeah. a great line
0: it's devastating stuff isn't
1: it
2: it really is
1: i could never listen to julia i had to because it just made me cry i think that was my tear jerking one <laughs> yeah. yeah julia's
2: julia's real tear-jerker. like golden slumber sometimes gets me at the end of the mm. end of the second half of abbey road if you've if you've gone on the whole journey that big brass moment yeah yeah, yeah.
0: magical so, I mean, we're straight in at the D- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. So what was your, um? where does your kind of personal journey with the Beatles begin?
2: I guess my dad, I, I mean, I think my mum liked the Beatles, but my dad definitely has a real passion and had been in bands and stuff in his teens and was, uh I grew up in, in England. I grew up in Canada. And so he kind of made sure that we had a, a really early on a Beatles education and all those great those songs that are great for kids you know that Mm. you start with like yellow Mm. submarine a magical mystery tour and penny lane and those songs are so good for kids and then um and then as i grew up they grew with me you know and then you find things that are relevant to you at every age and Mm. and then i think the reason that i have like a quite a i think i I just in my teens was quite a hippie and got into um not that i'm glorifying these things at all because trouble down the road but i uh i got really into mushrooms and weed and acid right. and stuff and it was just at the time when i was getting into the white album and uh i just felt like i had this profound i mean you know in that stoner way i was like yeah. this mm. is what it's all about man yeah <laughs> <These guys."> yeah <laughs>
1: Have you ever had that with like a really an album that you realized afterwards was like absolutely terrible? Have you ever had that experience?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an album by Third Eye Blind. This kind of in, <laughs> indie, yeah, yeah. ninety. That, uh, yeah, at the time I was like, this is everything. And then the meaning of life. Yeah, and yeah, really, his voice is so annoying. It's a, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so was what kind of age was your dad then? Was he kind of older, of an age where he might have was he, he around in the them. 60s he saw them yeah wow, cool
2: he saw them with my grandma took him at I think I want to say Royal Albert Hall or, or maybe it was the Royal Variety performance or something because mm. there's a photograph of my dad and his mum in one of the balconies and ben, beneath them the queen was there or something so it must have been <laughs> you know, a Royal yeah. Variety performance and the and yeah. the Beatles performed but he doesn't remember it he was like a toddler
0: that's amazing. Maybe it's the Rattle Your Jewelry one. That yeah. Yes. Did,
2: uh, yeah, Yeah. it may very well have been that.
0: <laughs> was there a particular record that was like one that you first remember getting into as an album?
2: Yeah, I remember thinking that I knew the Beatles and, and loved them. And my dad was very into the kind of whimsical stuff and a lot of the, uh, and Sergeant Pepper and a lot of the Paul stuff. And then I felt like my coming of age thing was getting into the, the darker John stuff and, mm. and the white album was a big part of that, I think. And and the white album was, it felt so different to their other stuff. Cause it was so, they were all doing their own thing on it mm. and I loved it all, but um it was also slightly more discordant and weird. Like there's things like piggies, you know, that yeah. <laughs> or like mm. number, you know, number nine and things like that.
1: Yeah. That's the thing I kind of remember is my dad, you know, I got a lot of the Beatles records from my dad, and then he hadn't heard them for so long that i play him something like, you know, I Want You, She's So Heavy from Abbey Road. And he was like, oh God, this is noisy and goes on really? for too long. You know, it weird. it's weird. as like I yeah. almost was, you know, there's almost that kind of, he, he yeah. sort of grown past that kind of stage of it or something.
2: Right. You know. Yeah, that second half of Abbey Road is, is wild. I have a Beatles tattoo.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. we were going to ask you about it. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, again, this is in my teens, and I was, a, you know, a wayward teen mm. and had had dropped out of school and stuff, and I, I had I just stopped doing – this is going to feel like too much information, but I do no, talk no. about this no, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in my comedy a lot, <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. like yeah, – yeah. and also you're looking for clicks, so you want <laughs> so, you want some gritty yeah. – I, I had just stopped doing coke, and I'd, I'd mm. stopped doing coke for – a little while, and I wanted to get a tattoo to kind of commemorate that. I was like, it was yeah. like memento in my teens. I just got yeah. tattoos very willy nilly, <laughs> right. so really, really bad ones. And so I got really into the song "I Dig a Pony" from Let It Be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And for some reason, in my kind of stoned brain, I was like, this is that their, their whole message as a band is yeah. you can celebrate anything you want. You can, yeah. and and I got "I Dig a Pony." You can uh, there. Wow. Cool. Oh wow. my. Yeah. yeah. By my collarbone. Yeah. I dig I... a pony. And then uh, I hadn't Googled it though. And uh, when I Googled it, the first thing that comes up is an interview with John Lennon saying it's his least favorite song that he ever wrote and <laughs> that it's, it, it's nonsense and he wishes he could erase it from his discography. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And didn't you say that it, your tattoo quite often gets misread as well i think you remember
2: yeah it looks like i dig pussy so <laughs> if i'm on the beach and stuff people will be like yeah. that's so brave that you <laughs> because that. i
1: mean i dig a pony is i mean it's sort of one of his more nonsensy kind of songs isn't it so yeah. mm. i have i have a friend actually who the first time he took acid he the next day he'd written a word down on a piece of paper and it was the word cup in bubble writing <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so do you, do you think um do you look back on that do you, can, do you still feel the meaning of what i dig a pony meant to you then or do you think maybe or is it kind of a kind of more nonsensical thing
2: one other problem with it is that I didn't realize that pony is actually, it's a euphemism for cocaine. So oh, I had really? got a That's tattoo. So I know, <laughs> that says I dig cocaine. So right. it kind of couldn't be worse, but aesthetically, yeah. I don't mind it. I still yeah. like, I like the song a lot. I like the yeah, rhythm. Yeah. The I always ri- thought
1: it was something to do with money. Isn't a pony a cockney amount of money?
2: Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And I, I like, let it be the they're really stripped back, let it be naked, that version. Yeah. Of, yeah. I like how kind of acousticy and messy that, that sounds. And mm. it sounds like they're just jamming on yeah. that song. And I like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's quite, I, I've, I haven't really never thought of it until we started doing this, that it's quite unfashionable to really like let it be. Really? And that it is why it would be considered to be like their worst album, but I never had that sort of, uh, I wasn't aware of its reputation when I was growing up. So I love like, yeah, I love that. I put loads of stuff on that record. Now looking back on it, you can have, you know, the Phil Spector production and all of that is is dodgy. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was definitely like a formative one for me.
2: What's the song that goes "Everybody had a hard year"? And it...
0: that's uh, I've got a feeling. Yes, I think yeah, that's a great so song. A
2: perfect yeah. example of Lennon and McCartney, their two start like a day in the life with both mm. of their kind of styles. McCartney melodic and positive, and then Lennon coming in with this. Mm undercutting it with this weird refrain yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and they're both of those are on the rooftop gig as well so they're like yeah i just fondly remember everything that they played on the top of apple or whatever because it's just yeah they and they still sound so good considering it's like minus three degrees in the middle of january on a really windy roof yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's the most impressive thing about it
2: yeah
1: so when when you were um Growing up there, were you ever inclined to get into music yourself, or was like stand up your kind of first love in that kind of?
2: No, I think I secretly wanted, and maybe still wanted to do music. I have—I don't know if you can see—I have all these, like, I have a little setup with guitar. Oh, you can't really see. I have not, guitars and stuff, ah, cool. and I—I oh, nice. um, play yeah I played moody angsty music, <laughs> but it's just scary um expressing your emotions without irony so i I bottled it but yeah um, yeah my my dad and I used to play Beatles and he'd played he'd play the bass and I'd play oh, that's guitar so
0: cool. what kind of songs did you cover when you were growing up?
2: Oh, a lot of Elliot Smith and oh, wow, um oh great like depressing stuff yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah this is my genre yeah yeah definitely are <laughs> in Robin's wheelhouse that's a really interesting thing because i you know i've done music and stand-up and it is weird when you do stand-up and you ha- have that irony to fall back on and you can have that kind of thing a joke doesn't go well you can turn it into another joke or you know when if you're doing a really serious song you've got nothing to yeah it's very exposing And in a way, doing stand-up with just a mic is less exposing somehow, you know, because you can hide behind.
2: Absolutely. You can say something meaningful and then go undercut it with yeah. if it if you don't think it's landed you go, oh i'm only just joking but, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs>
1: just like i do that with text messages just sometimes ha haha at the yeah. end and, you know just
2: like, after you've just confessed yeah. your love to someone yeah yeah, 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 yeah. lol yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: weird um you know it's a bit of a cliche that all comedians want to be musicians and musicians want to be comedians but uh, i think the beatles definitely had that and in a, in another life any one of them could have slipped into python quite well mm. yeah and they were all sort they of said that didn't that. they yeah, yeah yeah john lennon said he would rather have he wished he had been in monty python
2: yeah and george harrison funded life of brian
0: mm. yeah yeah and the ruttles um, as well which is uh have you seen the ruttles
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad made sure i knew all this
1: yeah. <laughs> it just gave you this good musical education there. yeah and yeah. british
2: kind of like the goon show and things that uh, have right, very wow. yeah. uh beatlesy echo like um the bonzo dog band as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i love like bonzo like dog dude do i rewatched um help the other day mm. the film mm. uh, which very problematic racially now yeah uh, yeah but in terms of their performances they're so funny yeah they're really yeah, and it's such a unique kind of comic sensibility too. Like, I yeah, I think this is when I was smoking weed in my teens. I really got into, into my head that the Beatles were some kind of vessel for like a universal consciousness that was flowing mm. like some magic. Like, how did these four boys?
1: Wow. Yeah. Find
2: each other, and then all these amazing, globally like resonant songs just flowed yeah. out of them.
1: I mean, this is one of the questions we've been asking all our guests is, did did the Beatles even exist? You know, are they too good? Like I sometimes have these things where you're listening to the White Album and it's like, how did they get this good this quickly, you know? And it's like, it seems like, yeah, you're right. It's something greater than the sum of their parts about them.
2: Absolutely. And no formal training really. And and then to move through that cultural revolution as well and, Mm. and, continue to, to go from kind of elvis influence stuff and then through the 60s and to be right at the forefront of it mm. i don't know there's, there's something else maybe it's all george martin
0: <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> pulling <laughs> strings yeah so was there something about do you think not to sort of get too cod psychological about it but um having that those that british humor when you're like in canada with a british dad or did it sort of remind you of was your sort of roots or something
2: yeah maybe i I definitely think there's something to do with, yeah, my love for my dad that is also part of why I love the Beatles, I'm sure. Because my dad also looks quite a lot like Paul McCartney. um, On the cover of that McCartney album where he's got, he's wearing a sort of sheepskin coat and he has a beard.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: My dad at that age looked identical, but um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe it was the British sensibility. I also loved Pink Floyd and they had the same kind of, sense of humor and a lot of their stuff mm. was
1: was there a kind of thing when you were growing up then that you kind of you you, you didn't you, you didn't have much to rebel against do you think you know what I mean so because <laughs> you, your dad was giving you these formative influences was there any music you brought home that he didn't like or something and you know
2: yeah maybe I mean in my <laughs> early teens I would I kind of was into the the stuff of the day but then mm. yeah you're right all of my rebellious but they were kind of surprised that I was rebelling so much, my parents. But I was mm. like, but you just gave me the wall to listen to. <laughs> what, do you, <laughs> yeah. what do you expect is going to happen? Like It was yeah. like the the veil had been lifted on reality, I felt like. And I, yeah. I felt like, especially Pink Floyd. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, it's, you know, all those st- stoner thoughts about, like, the flimsy scaffolding of reality and right. that we're all participating in this mad i was just i couldn't stay in school i I couldn't believe
1: but that so so yeah it must have been strange because because we both listened to the adam buxton podcast and you talked about your dad he was quite into a lot of this stuff too as well he wrote a book about astral projection is that right
2: yeah (laughs) but he doesn't have he didn't have the same kind of um urge to like burn it down like he yeah he was into Mm -hmm. the mystical stuff and and mystical he still is quite yeah very whimsical and dreamy and mm. um but he wasn't kind of outraged whereas I felt like outraged <laughs> I right. don't know, in a way yeah. I don't know
0: so was John the most the, the sort of most attractive beetle for you then growing up with you like his his sort of more acerbic and anarchic kind of sensibility
2: definitely in my teens and then I've definitely changed course and now I'm a Deeply McCartney. Mm, um, that's
0: funny, isn't it?
2: I think it's because now I'm quite ambitious and I suddenly am thinking about the Beatles and how really all Paul wanted to do was keep making albums. And it, mm. he was just as amazing lyrically, maybe. Definitely better musically. Like, do you think more conventionally?
0: Um, I mean, I, I like did music at university and stuff. So I've always been really into like The thing I find astounding about him is how fully formed ideas just came to him, like, fell out of the sky completely naturally. Mm. Mm. And he just sort of... He he had, like, the secret cipher for decoding, like, harmony and stuff with no formal training. It's just... I find it absolutely mind-boggling that Mm. he can write stuff like that that's sort of technically perfect. Yeah. um, Whereas John... I, you know, I think we were talking to Ellis James last week about the sort of, it's like when you get more right wing as you get older and everyone starts yeah liking Ringo and then you like John and then you have a little George phase and then everyone ends up mellowing with Paul That's at the end. That's yeah.
2: exactly my trajectory too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's, I love his storytelling and and also I think if you're nerding out and reading books about them and stuff, just John becomes a less attractive Oh, totally. yeah he's yeah. definitely
1: more problematic the more you read about him
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah totally um, but and and paul sort of gets away with it
1: i think the thing, great thing with john is he does he does still have that melodic side in, but it's much more buried isn't it and he does a lot of kind of melodies that kind of one note melody kind of julia yeah. being one you know mm. and just, oh, so they don't have that kind of uh, almost classical element aside that mccartney does yeah you're still, right it's still there you know it's still, and but the thing as well john just had that thing tendency to want to kind of burn it down i always think it's so so beautifully um characteristic of each beetle when they do their three guitar solo thing at the end of abbey road
2: yes yeah you
1: know and it, they yeah. still, and you can just tell like eat which one's which and john's just doing that you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but it's just
2: yeah it's you're just right brilliant. he was into a lot of repetitive rhythmic like even something like dear prudence is only a-
1: strawberry fields to me feels like one of those songs where the melody seems to have fallen out of the sky it sounds like a melody you hear in a dream or something and it's, i remember that we were talking about songs that made you cry i remember strawberry fields was one song i never wanted to work out on the guitar because i just thought oh that would I'd just destroy its mystery i'd never yeah, really know. <laughs> yeah.
2: that's interesting about the songs that you don't want to learn because you just don't want another magic
0: funny the people that we talked to from like slightly different generations is that like some people say that they had to sort of hide the fact that they listened to the Beatles at school <laughs> because it was so uncool whereas I think because I'm a little bit younger and I grew up during Britpop when like the Beatles were the coolest thing ever mm. so were, were they like quite on trend when you were young
2: I had one best friend called Nicole Simon and we were it was a definitely a mutual journey and we would I, I remember watching the documentary for was it for Let It Be, yeah, the, mm. about the making of that album. And we were crying, we, like, real tears about just how how much we fancied them, how much we <laughs> wished we were in the studio. Yeah. Just their, their talent. Like, we got really overwhelmed emotionally. Yeah, it was a really intense level. She has a Beatles tattoo as well, which is, it's the doodle that John does of himself. Oh, oh right, oh, cool. so, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we we sort of went through it together, I think, but yeah. uh, and we were kind of oblivious to what everyone else was doing.
1: So when did you get into stand up? Because you were really young when you started performing, were
2: Yeah, when I was about thirteen. I, right, thirteen. Um, yeah, and, and I met her around the same time. Yeah. And, and she and I did um, sketch comedy with another girl, and then and then they ended up wanting to do school, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I kept going. Wow. Yeah. So maybe that was a lot of, I had a lot of older friends who were comedians, so maybe yeah. that was part of it. Like, I was absorbing their influences. Mm.
1: And were the Beatles part of that? You getting Because for me, it's all mixed up together in my childhood. Like, a, getting into music was almost as powerful as getting into comedy. You know, it was all mixed up together somehow, you know, uh, you know, there would be comedy shows you'd see, know, like the Young Ones or something, and that, that would be as kind of... You know, yeah. revolutionary to you as like hearing Sergeant Pepper or something. So, was those Definitely. two things closely linked to you? For you, I think
2: so. Yeah, mm. there was a Canadian sketch comedy troupe called Kids in the Hole. that had Oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Them and uh, I day. felt like they were rock stars to me, and yeah. mm. that was pretty mind blowing at the time. And I, I'm so grateful that um that we all got to grow up without um, the internet, really. And yeah. I mean, it was just starting in my teens, but I was. I wasn't I didn't grow up with it so I'm so lucky that I listened to albums and I had a disc man and I would take out a whole Beatles album and listen to I just feel grateful that I had the space to be bored and just lie around and listen to music and doodle pictures or whatever because these days I I just I mean all through lockdown I've just been on my phone yeah so (laughs) bad I've barely listened to anything really I
1: know what you mean yeah I had this Beatles for acoustic guitar book and there was a, if there was a song on there, I'd kind of have to cross reference it with like my dad's albums and like figure out which album it was on, and you know, it was, yeah, you had to do this detective work. But nowadays everything's so kind of obviously click of a button.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I had that same book, I think, and I, there are lots. There are still to this day quite a lot of Beatles songs and the thing, like, things on Yellow Submarine and stuff where I never had access to that record growing up, but all mm. I had was my own version of it from learning the chords and like yeah. badly misreading the. The things so whenever I hear them, it's like, oh, that sounds wrong. That's not what it's like in the book, but
1: obviously yeah. I am just playing it wrong. But that, I mean, this funny. is something that's really come in, like, you know, because we had the, that guy from Spotify, the CEO said, musicians need to put music out more, kind of thing, which has kind of attracted a lot of criticism, obviously. But right. this idea that maybe it's not a good thing that all music is available all the time. Right. You, know? you think like people would hear a song on John Peel or something and they try and Create how they remembered it, so we're kind of losing that kind of weird influence of music. I think somehow.
2: Yeah, I never want to be one of those people that's like, gotta listen to things on vinyl, but I do Hmm. get that it does it does sound better.
1: It's
0: just not being able to change it, or like actually having to make an effort to change it, rather than you're like, oh, skip, 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 or someone else picks up your phone and. Or even worse, asks Alexa to put something else on. Yeah, listening <laughs> to that.
2: <laughs> also, because I used to listen to Sgt Pepper a lot on on vinyl as a kid, I think um, the sound of the needle skipping at, is almost oh, part yeah. of the song A Day in the Life yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. you reach the end of that song and that big chord, and then in my head, then there's the sound of a needle skipping. What is yeah, that
0: noise? Do you know, Robin?
1: It's uh, it's got people thought it was Paul saying "fuck you, Superman." But it isn't because it's uh, it's gar- it's nonsense or it's garbled. I think. But right. someone will definitely write in and let us know what it is. I remember um, being really
0: disappointed with working out that it wasn't just my parents' copy of it that had that on it. I thought it was some like glorious mistake. That, like, uh, our record mistake player like
1: couldn't never always the needle always came up before it got to that locked groove. So I never oh, no. like my I was, was really annoying. I like, really want. I'd heard about this thing and I'd never actually heard it. <laughs>
2: Where can you find now the anthology documentaries? I can't find them anywhere.
0: Funnily enough, a few people have asked us about it. Yeah, because yeah. we were talking about it a lot last week. <laughs> Basically, you have to buy them on a physical format
2: on oh.
0: eBay or something. They're not available on like streaming sites. But I mean, if you are so inclined, I think one could find them relatively easily. on yeah. the internet. But they're missing uh, a trick by not releasing yeah. Yeah. Alice
1: James could quote it to you pretty much word for word, I think. if you <laughs>
2: Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just ring Alice and he'll yeah. spare 12 hours. <laughs> yeah.
2: I ended up sort of stopping reading Lennon interviews in the last few years of his life because I didn't want to hear him shitting on things that Nightly. I loved. And mm. yeah, but I did. I remember him saying that he the f- best song he ever wrote was Help. Did you read that? Yeah. 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 I and that I like that. Yeah. that I found interesting and.
0: I think if you just stick to interviews from, like, post-1975, they're much more palatable.
2: Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wasn't there an interview in, I think it was in Playboy, weirdly, but it was where he basically went through every Beatles song, and that's where that help quotes from. He basically gave an opinion about all the Beatles songs. Yeah. This is in Revolution in in the Head, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and some quite unkindly as well,
1: I
2: think. Yeah. I got really obsessed with their solo stuff um oh nice and uh i was really into that back and forth between him and mccartney with how do you sleep and uh dear boy and when they were writing these vicious songs about each other it, it's so sad but then also yeah. so gripping like a soap opera yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: what's your favorite beatles solo record
2: oh, that's really hard as, a, <laughs> as an album as a standalone album i think all things must pass might be mm but then i would never mm. say because uh, i think m- the album mccartney i think is also amazing mm. and i think taken as a whole i'd have to say mccartney but then i've really gone on a journey with that because i was i used to be obsessed with uh mother and all of those really yeah angry yeah. lennon songs and there's a song called remember that i love by him and yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. It's really hard. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What, it's what, what a about you?
0: Question because it changes all the time.
2: It really does. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys?
1: I think I'd say all things must pass.
0: You, you're all things must pass. Mm. I love living in the material world. I think it's amazing, and it might be just because it's the one that I got into the last. But I don't know. I also love. I mean, I do love Imagine, um, yeah. and I love. You know, I've watched that documentary so many times just i find that I think it makes me love it more seeing because it's documented. So like forensically mm-hmm, yeah, um, and stuff like Oh Yoko and it's like even the throwaway tracks. I, I sort of really, really like.
2: Yeah. Um, and even now, like I feel like we've said, all, I've said negative things about John and now I'm suddenly feeling all this guilt about and <laughs> I'm thinking about how wounded he was and, and how talented. And I, yes, yeah. yeah, so I really do go back and forth. I, yeah, I hate when people say, "Oh, I hate John," or "I hate," or they have such strong opinions like that because you can't take one of them out of the equation like that. You can, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and you always all... feel the like instinct to defend him. There's an interview I think with George Harrison after John had died, and he's asking about John, and I think some sort of slightly pompous BBC presenter is like, "He wasn't a very nice man," was? He? And John just goes, "Well, he was, and he wasn't, but he was." <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of you do get to see that. And that especially there's a bit in that um Imagine documentary where that this kind of um guy who's obviously been taking a lot of drugs and has kind of lost oh, the guy his who mind a little bit, the comes garden. and he's yeah. like saying demanding to like make him explain that he wrote one of those songs for me, and he's like, "I didn't even write that one." It's Paul's. Yeah, it's carry yeah. that weight, isn't it? any, yeah, it's a bit like yeah, finding out. Way, yeah.
1: I dig a pony is about cocaine, isn't it? That must have been yeah.
0: Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least yeah, didn't have to make like a five thousand mile round trip. But then yeah. he invites him in, and he's like, "Yeah, no, have we got any food for him and stuff?" And you're like, what unbelievably sort of generous mm. thing and unnecessary thing to do. Don't
1: confuse the songs with your own life. I mean, they might have relevance to your own life, you know, but a lot of things do. It all fits. Anything fits. You know, it's if you're tripping off on some trip,
0: anything
1: fits, you know. What can you say? Boy, you're going to carry that weight for a long time. Did that was just... That's Paul saying that.
2: Yeah. Paul saying that? Well,
1: that belongs to all of us. He's thinking about all of us. Remember that one, um, you can radiate everything you are. you can penetrate anywhere you go? Yeah. I was just having fun with words. It was an Literally a nonsense
2: song. You know these days we, we cut people so much slack for the kind of trauma and stuff, and, and that was, this is sort of before all that, and they didn't mm. know how to talk about feelings, I imagine, and had lost parents and were suddenly so famous and it must have been absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's probably worth yeah reevaluating that, and especially because he's such a you know it's all there in the groove. You know, he's such an incredibly expressive person and such a like traumatized person as well. Yeah. You know, he went through a lot.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.
0: One of the questions that we uh, ask everyone on the podcast is, do you have a controversial Beatles opinion?
2: I don't think it's controversial, but I'm sure some people would. I think there's a there's one Beatles song that I don't like, and it's the only one. And Interesting. it's... Uh, it's Obladee Oblada. <laughs> oh,
0: I was yeah. talking about this yesterday. It's, uh, really? Yeah, my least favourite Beatles song. Really? Oh, though, yeah. I'm so glad. I yeah, I can't yeah. stand it. It's like, it's like I spend my whole life trying to defend Paul for people who think that he's like sort of Nash and, and yeah, and and same. And then it's always just like the easiest stick to beat AUS. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, he wrote Obladee Obladee. Argument over... Yeah, yeah, it's
2: just, it's so cringe. There's something about the tone of his voice too, how, how pleased he is with it. It's, yeah. It's no good. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: also one that, like, it's also, I kind of, I really hate people who like it as well.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how could you defend
1: Obladi, Obladi? Like, It's like I mean, it, yeah. do you think it's I a think good it's an thing? atrocity. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what was he going for? He was trying to do, like, a kind of Scar song, right? And the yeah, only time... that's
0: the worst thing about it. It's like do you it's think like that's the worst thing, thing that it's almost well, like... A... It's so what do you think, because
1: of the appropriation element or because of the, I it's just that
0: calypso, white people doing calypso yeah. is just the lamest it's thing. You know, it's lame. a bit like a sort of It reminds me of the QI theme tune. There's something about it that's just very <laughs> <Yeah. so laughs> <Yeah>. aesthetic. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, but then at least he was taking big risks. Like I'm sure Helter Skelter wouldn't have happened if he yeah. hadn't tried I that. Yeah. I think
1: you need yeah. and you need it on the White Album. As I think you need all those shit songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but
2: I... Yeah. It is bad, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's like the film, that, uh, the yesterday film, the Richard Curtis one that came out a couple of years ago and you've got all of these songs, the, the deal that Apple gave them was like, you will let you have like 12 songs or something and then they finish with this massive... Like you know, grand finale of Obladia and It's just like, come on, guys. Oh my god. All the songs you could have picked. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
2: know that. I haven't seen I refuse to watch it because no, I, I uh, it. I'm just too worried. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't I my, my least favorite thing is covers of Beatles songs where they've um just fucked with the rhythm. Like someone t- taking the song something and and just completely changing the rhythm of it Are we often on x-factor or something you'll see someone doing yeah. a oh, cover yeah, that of a song should
0: be, the, uh, punishable by long prison sentences
2: yeah totally or, <laughs> or like kind of um elevator music like lift music that's yeah. just yeah. a kind of a corny version of uh yeah i, I the, the only cover oh i guess this is a, a solo lennon song but donny hathaway's jealous guy i think mm. is mm. an excellent and he's changed the rhythm and he's it's it, have you heard it the Al Green
1: better. cover of I Want to Hold Your Hand? Because No. Really yes, that's, that's amazing. That's oh, really? really yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, he puts a lot of fun. And, I mean, they kind of work as souls, like the Stevie Wonder cover of We Can Work It yeah, Out. Yeah, We Can well. Work It they, Out. Can, they, they, yeah. I think they yeah. do lend themselves to that kind of cover somehow.
2: The Joe Cocker, a little help from my friend.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, there are some really good, like, especially, like, soul artists seem to cover the Beatles and like deconstruct those songs in such a cool way. Mm. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise you're just sort of, well, why are you doing it? I mean, actually could, uh, Susie mentioned last week that Elliot Smith covered because, and I hadn't heard that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mm. I went back to listen to it. and well, it's like, amazing. It's very, very Well, it's faithful. amazing, but it's also note for note. <laughs> yeah. To the, the point exactly where you're like, the what's the point?
1: Yeah. yeah."
2: I know it's a bit like something I would do in lockdown using g- garage band. Yeah. <laughs> just like exactly. mimic it to see how it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it yeah. was. His voice has that reedy, um, like, kind of when Lennon was doing heroin later in his life. Yeah, bucket. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: the, the double tracking of his voice. Elliot mm. Smith is very Lennon-esque. Yeah. Um, Elliot
2: Smith's so underrated yeah, in terms he's incredible. of, like, composition mm. and stuff. And, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, just total genius, I think, Elliot Smith. It's, mm. I think, uh, you know, I, just, I once tried to work out... Do you know the song Pretty Mary Kay on figure Yeah. Eight? amazing song and I just tried to work it out and it's just incredible it's like it's very McCartney-esque and it's so intricate every time it goes to Pretty Mary Kay it's like a different chord it kind of gets more and more intense and then it gets this resolve at the end and it's like it's just something I mean he was yeah it's just a genius (laughs) yeah Yeah.
2: I agree I have Hmm. um I have figure eight framed on my wall just Oh amazing and yeah. i went i went on a pilgrimage to the mural in la that ah, yeah. in the cover and some fucking restaurant has bought that and put a door in the middle of the mural it's right yeah wow. I mean, yeah well, terrible, I,
1: I, yeah yeah me and my friend phil had our photos taken there yeah it's yeah. kind of and it's a weird thing as well because it's like it's at the end of sunset boulevard right and yeah. there's not really much going on there in the day no. and me and phil we were there for a friend's wedding and it's my friend phil and we we tried to go on like a pub crawl and pubs are really open in the day. <laughs> yeah. So it was just basically a long walk down the street to have a photo outside a wall. But, you know, yeah. we had a great time. Very fond memories.
2: <laughs> I like, I, I like Elliot Smith does something that the Beatles also do that I find so satisfying, which is like when things become really chaotic in a song and then they kind of collapse into a really satisfying, like she mm. came in through the bathroom window, yeah. right. the opening to that or or in day in the life when it, it yeah. just as it gets quite stressful it then collapses into some really juicy mm. kind of yeah yeah I definitely
1: towards the end of his career like the the posthumous album from a basement yeah. on a hill elliot smith there's, there's a lot more noise on it and it's a lot more chaotic but it's still got the beautiful melodies and yeah. guitar playing you know
0: yeah chaos is remarkably hard to do on record <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
2: ocean samples uh he he starts singing some elliot smith on his recent album oh cool oh really yeah Do you in know the, what track that's on it's in the later half um
1: on blonde or on the, yeah on blonde yeah, cool.
2: yeah. yeah mm. and he he does he, oh, i can't remember what bit but it's he's definitely got elliot smith in there
0: yeah mm. there's some beatles it's got here there and everywhere is um sampled mm. on that record as well it's quite rare to be able to sample the Beatles these days. You have to have quite deep pockets, I think.
2: Really?
1: Yeah. How yeah. <laughs> did the Beastie Boys do that with Paul's Boutique then? Cause it's just...
0: um, well, the classic thing of uh, forgiveness rather than permission. I think. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah, I think when the Dust Brothers recorded that record, sampling was such a new technique that yeah. record companies were quite slow to catch up on it. So you'd be looking some stuff like Eggman off of Paul's mm. Boutique. It's got samples of like three different <laughs> beat yeah, songs at the it's same got, time. like the drum beat yeah. from the end of Sgt. Pepper. Mm. There's another song that's got like um, When I'm 64 on it and stuff. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to do that now. No. Time and money for girls
1: covered with honey. You'll I aspire to be as cunning. Feeling a rock and a roll of B-sized D cup. Order the quarter the lust. Why don't you wake up? My mind kind of blowing like an oil projector. How do you get up? You get the Jimmy Protect her. Went for surfing and work. And exploding. She woke up in the money.
2: I've never heard that album,
1: actually. Oh, it's great. It's, Paul's it's their is, best it's record, really I good album. think. Yeah. I mean, really? yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's superb. It's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that as a kind of, is that my 17-year-old self saying that? Yeah. Or is that actually a really good album? Absolutely.
0: I, I listened to it. I've got it, Um, and I got it out the other day, and yeah. I listened to it all the three rounds. I was like, considering it's, so much uh, earlier than you always think of it being as well. It's like 1986, mm. Paul's movie. Paul's
2: really? Title.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a 90s wow. album, you know. It sounds yeah, so absolutely. kind of... Uh, it's, oh,
0: it's, uh, it's amazing,
1: yeah. So, that's it's gonna th- so we, I don't know how to get on to talking about Feel Good, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we both absolutely loved it. And Thank yeah, you. It yeah, it was fantastic, really good, and, you know... I don't know if there's a way to segue the Beatles into talking about this.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, music was a big part of... I, I was obsessed with the soundtracks like, yeah. and be, being involved in it. Um, yeah, the
1: music used in it is brilliant, actually. Yeah.
2: Thanks, and it's always a, a, a battle at the end. How mm. much budget do you have left to to get songs? And then we had, luckily, we had a composer... Do you know a band called Slow Club?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I know Char- Rebecca... Well, uh, yeah. Reasonably well. I met her a couple of times, yeah. Uh
2: yeah, yeah, I know I know I toured with them and then yeah, um cool. so Charles Watson the the guy from yeah. Slow Club did he he and his his friend um composed uh oh, that's great some stuff for Feel Good and I got to play guitar on one of the songs and oh, amazing. yeah, oh, so it was really cool. yeah, it was, it was a, cool. I did care a lot about cuz I think when you fantasize about doing a TV show when you're like yeah, yeah, a big part of it is uh, moody music and yeah, getting I'm to be totally the, like, like, yeah. like. Do you ever
1: like make a playlist and you're like walking through the city and it's like, oh, this is this is the establishing this... shot here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. But I, what I loved about Feel Good is that it, the characters are so complex, and there's good and I mean, we're talking about John Lennon being good and bad. But you know, that, I think that's what's so good about it. your characters—so sympathetic but wasn't perfect. And, Thanks. You know, it's about I don't know. I just thought that was so well presented and it's been, yeah, it, it was very moving as well. That's great.
2: I'm glad. Yeah. We, we oh, definitely yeah. wanted to make sure. Yeah. That no one was all good or all bad. And mm. how much of
1: yourself was in that? Cause obviously the character is your name mm. and you're going like, well, this is probably going to ask yeah. this a lot, but was how much kind of overlap was there?
2: I think a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think a, 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 a Very healthy amount. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, um, In some areas heightened, in other areas Mm. toned down. And, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, you start with a a version of yourself that's pretty true to yourself. But then, of course, the the main thing is telling a really satisfying narrative Mm. with the whole world that makes sense. So then you end up Mm. warping that that central character as well. So, Mm. yeah, yeah. But yeah, look. Does
0: the semi-fictional may have a Beatles tattoo as well, or did you? Cover <laughs> up? Yeah, yeah, it's in it must be. It,
2: it must be in there. And yeah. then at the end of the series, my character gets a Sum Forty One tattoo. Oh yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck! If we make any more, I'm gonna have to have this fake tattoo, <laughs> yeah. Forty One yeah. tattoo. Yeah. And but what's that...
1: That, so? In, and getting Lisa Kutrow on, on 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 board was. I mean, how did that come about? That, that was. She's so great in that role. That, you know yeah it's, yeah.
2: It's yeah she's really got that kind of powerful presence that you want a, a sort of matriarch character to have yeah um and, and is she like
1: your mom that kind
2: of they have similarities yeah and yeah, that they're both yeah. very intelligent and, and powerful and can and a huge influence in my brain and um but yeah she she just read the scripts and we sent them to her as like never even thinking that she'd take the time to read yeah. them and then she was really quick coming back and it's just, she's just been so supportive and I can't was like she flew to Blackpool I, just, I, I still know. can't get over it we had yeah. nothing to offer her like we had our craft services table was like some biscuits and like she was she was just so gracious about it and we we're like we're really sorry we have no good snacks and she was like oh I really like these digestives what? <laughs> they're just being really positive about everything yeah. So cool. yeah
0: that's when you know people are lying yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing remarkable about a digestive
2: yeah
1: <laughs> my girlfriend and I have just been I think we we've watched we're watching a few things but we find we just can't we don't can't watch much like challenging TV at the moment in lockdown, so we basically watched ev- every episode of Friends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, me too. The yeah, series well, of Friends, but it's like in Lisa a way, Fr- Friends
2: are like the Beatles of sitcoms. And that I was going to say, I, I had <laughs> yeah. a,
1: this was a question I had written down, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which, uh, which one would be which? I mean, although there's six Friends,
2: because they're kind of like the this ubiquitous part of the cultural landscape that you can't ever th- pull out of your own. Yeah. Like, like, I, I don't know where, where I start and like the Beatles, The Simpsons and Friends end. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, They're yeah, all, yeah, wo- yeah. it they must've been so formative that, um, yeah. yeah, just the, r- I've been rewatching Friends too. It's so soothing and <laughs> yeah. like properly yeah. funny still. It I is think. really funny, yeah.
1: Mm. Mm. yeah There's
0: great. also a rumor that uh, Matthew Perry died during season three and was replaced by a doppelganger.
2: Yeah.
0: But I don't know how much truth there is to that.
2: I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was going to say Matthew Perry's definitely the John of the Friends, though, isn't he? I
2: mean, it's a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right, and it's a shame that I'm, I'm immediately ascribing Beatles characters to to the, the men on the show. Like <laughs> yeah. maybe, well,
1: Phoebe would be George, I guess, because the spiritual. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. Joey's Ringo. Um, yeah.
2: Monica's
0: quite poorly as well, and yeah, you know, keeping the band yeah.
1: together.
2: And then Rachel and Ross are just doing their own thing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yes, George yeah. Martin. And George,
1: yeah. Pete Best. Pete Best. Um, I think Rachel's Pete Best is quite... on. I mean, yeah. I <laughs>
2: yeah. Or who is it? Brian Epstein, one of them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this that John like... had an affair with Brian Epstein? I know there's some...
1: Yeah. We,
0: it's definitely something that, like, the evidence... Were, if they didn't, then he was certainly like embarrassed enough about the rumours of it to mm. have beaten the shit out of someone for suggesting it. We, we, wow. meant,
1: we, we sort of discussed this briefly when we were, met to, were chatting to Ellis and I listened back to it and I can't believe how blushingly I described the rumours. <laughs> like I just sounded like <laughs> my dad talking about it. Like, wasn't there a rumour that they, you know, once it uh, were, uh, you know, yeah. like few yeah. Totally yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> granted my way around a job? Yeah. That's
2: really funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Yeah.
0: They definitely had a weird, I think, relationship because there was sort of, there was definitely like a love hate thing. And he could be Mm. really horrible to Brian Epstein as well. I think there's that line in um, Baby, You're a Rich Man. Yeah. And it's on the record. Yeah. (laughs) Where in the backing vocals, it's like, Baby, You're a Rich Man. Baby, You're a Rich (gasps) Jew, I think he said.
2: (gasps) No. Mm. Yeah. I think Lennon had some, an interesting relationship with, um, like,
0: parental figures
2: yeah and homosexuality like because yeah, later mm. on he did whatever gets you through the night and he you know with Elton John and that mm. was his last live performance I think mm. was that an Elton yeah, John As the As concert the Garden so I feel like he made peace with it and but yeah. yeah. well he yeah. went
0: on so many sort of journeys like that because he was yeah. you know writing really horrible misogynistic lyrics and then making you know huge feminist anthems, yeah you know, mm. you know. Like he was he was such a sort of... I think that's why people are really attracted to him. Like, you, you know, we all were in your adolescence because he's such a situationist that he moves around from being, like, obsessed with whether, it, you know, getting into drugs or getting into, like, spiritualism or getting into acting or getting into poetry. And mm-hmm. But then yeah. he just seems to sort of get bored of them and drop them and, like, move on to yeah. something else. And that's kind of what you do when you're an adolescent. So it's quite... An attractive thing. Yeah, true. I love then,
2: his poetry. Yeah, I love hmm. his books. It's yeah, a, yeah. Spani- a Spaniard in the Works. And yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I always think of it that it's called the version that is in the ruttles which is out of my head. nasty's <laughs> book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just reordered on on during lockdown. I ordered Tarantula that Bob Dylan wrote.
1: Oh yeah, God, I've tried to read that. That is it's hard important. to get through. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: it's just like stream of conscious kind of. Um, you know, trying to do a Jack Kerouac kind of yeah. thing, but it's, but without the kind of, yeah, yeah not quite Jack Kerouac. <laughs> Did he listen yeah. to
1: the new Dylan album?
2: No, I heard that song that I liked a lot. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really yeah. good.
1: He's still got it. I
0: it? love it. I've been listening to it mm. loads, actually. That's probably my most played record mm. of really the last sort of month or so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, inc- I mean, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan anyway, but it's like mm. to be writing at that level when you don't really have any need to yeah (laughs) it's like really inspiring
2: oh i need to listen to it then because i i got quite disillusioned in the past 10 years about like yeah where is he why would you just stop never
0: go and see him i did and that takes a long time to recover from (laughs) oh my god he didn't
2: i saw him and he didn't say a word to the audience the whole time he didn't even introduce the band and he just stood by a keyboard he didn't and then he left it was so like in toronto oh right yeah, yeah. right at yeah weird, i saw him that?
0: at brixton academy and he wasn't even facing the front no oh and he it's had this so huge sad. hat on and it was basically just we found it funny after a while and then it basically turns into a game of guess the song yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It the only it, thing that it's that is recognizable is the occasional lyric is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i got a bit I got a
2: bit. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch him um, rolling thunder review on that oh yeah it's so oh, amazing
0: it's
1: brilliant. Fuck, I mean yeah. yeah imagine him seeing him on that tour that's extraordinary the version of Isis on that is just like yeah unbelievable amazing yeah. and
2: simple twist of fate and just yeah. that he was at the his peak wasn't he then yeah. and and he just seemed like a happier guy and a nicer man than, than yeah least
1: the thing I like about the new album, though, is his voice, you know, the voice has put me off on the recent mm-hmm. albums, but his, he doesn't seem to have that kind of, he doesn't sound like he's singing through a hole in his throat anymore. <laughs> yeah. Of, it, sounds a bit, <laughs> it does sound a bit more melodic now, his voice, I think. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's definitely... It's got yeah, really through that the very raspy sort of stage.
0: Articulate, like you can hear mm. every single mm. word. There's that, what's the huge, the huge long song that's the whole of the last side... Oh, the about one about JFK. JFK the yeah. Murder most, and it just goes murder on, most horrid. Murder most foul, yeah. 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 Citing I Alicia, uh, Indiana Jones and Anne Frank in, in the storyline. Really? Same line is, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like Anne Frank. Like Indiana Jones. And them British bad boys, the Rolling Stones. I go right to the edge. I go right to the edge. I go right where all things lost
2: are made good again. I'm pleased that he's got stuff to say about the world. Like, is it, Yeah, he had he played during the civil rights movement and mm. it would be great if, if people like that were involved. Now, especially as we're trying to kind of get boomers on board with some of mm. these yeah, causes right. and get them to be slightly less apathetic about the, it. It mm. would be great if McCartney would be a little more outspoken, but yeah. Mm. Mm. i'm glad i'm glad he's put out a good album roger waters is still putting out very angry protest yeah, he music. Is. yeah he's still mm. kind
1: of very politicized isn't he yeah.
2: yeah and um oh fuck what you know the led zeppelin robert Plant.
1: Uh, robert plant. yeah robert yeah. plant i, I like yeah. his his recent music. yeah he's he's really managed to just keep things rolling hasn't he Oh, his voice is yeah.
2: still just amazing
0: mm. yeah it's amazing and th- I, was like, that, I think when that Bowie record came out, a lot of people, like, not septuagenarian, faded rock stars were like, oh, right, you can still make something really mm. sort of relevant and, like, artistically urgent, yeah. even in, you know, when you're knocking on heaven's door, so to speak. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know, and I kind of, I wish McCartney would team up with someone, like, <laughs> rel- re- who would... Who's a McCartney fan? Who would be like, "This is what we want." And cause, yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah, chaos and creation in the backyard gets quite close to that. I think that's yeah, a great. Is that album. the Nigel Godrich one? Yeah, yeah, I like I that. It's very good. I mean, it's yeah. really like. Cause some of the production is really sparse and unusual, and it's mm. yeah. I think that's kind yeah. of.
0: Yeah, I quite sort of injured his last album's like quite fun and stuff. I went to go and see him
1: um, last. I can't believe he did an album called Kisses on the Bottom. I I know that's
2: unforgivable. (laughs) This is a a man who's amazing at stringing words together, and he puts those. But it's one of those things where it's
1: it's not even a double entendre because you can only. I mean, (laughs) I mean, kisses on the bottom of a letter is the joke. But when you hear kisses on the bottom, I I don't. You know, there's only one level at play there, I think. Really.
2: Yeah, I never even thought about the letter thing. I'd, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a sort
1: of chapter from Roger
0: Moore's autobiography. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when I saw him and he came and introduced some of his new stuff and he was like, this is a song about bullying and stuff. It's like, oh, come on, mm, please. God, yeah. like, I
2: know. You know. Oh, I'm just, I was just, for some reason, jumping back to Rolling Thunder review and um, mm-hmm. that uh, when Joni Mitchell... Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that was great,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. I love the way that they were so sort of playful with the narrative and the awareness of the ridiculous attention to detail that gets put onto those stories and then just to sort of invent characters and mess around with the sort of, you know, it's like they're deliberately poking fun at you for like holding this stuff in in such high regard. Mm. It's pretty much like the glass onion thing, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. yeah. That self mythologizing, yeah, yes, sort of two things up to the nerds, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I read um, his what was his uh, Chronicles, the Bob Dylan, yeah, auto- yeah. Oh, autobiography. That's amazing, yeah which is amazing. And, and he he manages to give so much detail and yet give nothing away about himself, yeah, that's really what yeah. But um, I remember in a, he, he said somewhere that when he was very young um what felt more real to him than the news of the day was like the sinking of the titanic and the gettysburg address and things like that mm. and that really resonated with me where i was like yeah dylan and the beatles that feels more real to me mm. and the vietnam war and stuff that feels more vivid to me than anything that's going on currently which is so weird how we kind of i guess it's just i don't know it's, why it's that hard is. to process mm.
1: what's going on at the moment isn't it kind of i remember in the 90s thinking how are people going to categorize this decade? You're not aware of it at the time. And now looking back, the nineties is such a kind of, it's so clearly had a vibe. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 You could do a mood board that would sum it up pretty
0: well. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. As you're growing up, you, you, do, you do, you tend to get drawn to the past era, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess that's right. You can't process it as it's happening. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, what will people think about 2020? <laughs> <I know. laughs> um,
0: So that was May Martin. What a fantastic chat. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, I think that's one of our finest episodes yet, I'd wager.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It felt very like we're on the same level with our appreciation of the Beatles. Maybe it's a slightly generational thing. Somehow, yeah, maybe. and very personal, which is yeah. exactly
0: kind of what we wanted the show to be, so yeah. uh, really enjoyed that one, and uh, if you want to go and listen to any of the songs that we talked about in that show, then you can go to our Spotify playlist, it's quite an eclectic list this year, because we really did talk about quite a lot of music, Yeah, yeah. Um, so fantastic, we, we're not going to put
1: Third Eye Blind on it, are we? Or- I Uh, I think think. we'll spare you that.
0: (laughs) Uh, So next week on the show, we've got another unbelievable guest, one that I was incredibly excited about, which is uh, Mr. John Ronson, who has joined us from uh, the US of A, which is very exotic and exciting. Mm. Um, And he was very generous with his time. We discussed loads of interesting things like um, Paul is Dead conspiracy theories and the parallels to that and certain things that are going on in the States. And also one of the all-time great rock and roll anecdotes (laughs)
1: yeah he was great i mean like we we got pretty tangential didn't we because we kind of talked around about lots of other subjects and obviously talked about frank sidebottom and john ronson's film frank about that and talked about outsider art as well but it was a really it was really interesting so i hope you'll find it interesting too
0: yeah, there's loads and loads to look forward to in that. So please do subscribe and we'll have another episode for you on Tuesday. Uh, as always, please do rate the show if you give us a five-star rating. It's incredibly helpful and it helps other people find the podcast. And if you do enjoy it and you want to help us uh, continue to make it, then you can offer us a, a couple of quid to cover the podcast costs by going to personalbeatles.com forward slash donate. Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a homespun sounds production. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands.